He's already been dead and it's messed with his head. It's John's post-life crisis. Welcome to John's post-life crisis. I am your host, John Johnston, founder and manager of cornnation.com, your Nebraska's Cornhusker site of great anticipation for the 2020 football season. This episode, we're talking with Eli Carp, editor-in-chief of Inside NU, the SB Nation Northwestern site. I don't know how they got NU in their title. Perhaps we'll get to that. Last season, the other NU finished with an overall record of three and nine, last in the Big Ten West with a with a conference record of one and eight. The year before that, they were eight and one in conference and won the Big Ten West. And overall, they were nine and five. Eli, what happened last season and what is Pat Fitzgerald going to do to make sure it doesn't happen again? Yeah, I think it really comes down to one position. There was a lot of hype uh, going into last year after the departure of a very steady Clayton Thorson, who was at the helm for four years and you had Hunter Johnson, a five-star Clemson transfer who had sat out a year in 2018, and many people figured that he would step right in and potentially take the offense to even a different level from Thorson, but that just didn't happen. It, it just was not working out, um, whether it was preparation in the offseason or just having trouble adjusting to the scheme that was being run last year. From the beginning, it was a disaster, and he, he couldn't beat out T.J. Green at the time, a fifth-year senior who had been a kind of a career backup for a while, and Fitz was very tight-lipped, as he is very uh, you know apt to be, about the quarterback competition you know going into that Stanford opener last year, and it just – it never – the quarterback position could never figure it out. Johnson struggled. T.J. Green on the first – uh, he actually provided us a real spark in that Stanford game, then had a season-ending foot injury at the beginning of the second half. Um, and Johnson was benched midway through the season for Aiden Smith, as Johnson was also dealing with some off-the-field issues as his mom was battling cancer. So he was going back and forth you know, to where he lived in Indiana during the season. And Aiden Smith just, he struggled as well. So you know, there is between a lot of inexperience at the quarterback position. And, you know, this last year was the final year for offensive coordinator, Mick McCall, who had been with Pat Fitzgerald since uh, 2008, I believe. And it, if not 2006, but I think a lot of fans would tell you that his scheme just got really stale and very predictable and um, kind of aggravating to watch. So I think that was the, that was the main problem last year. You look at the defense they were, they were 26th in total defense. They did have trouble forcing turnovers, but they didn't really get any help from the offense. So you look at how, what they're doing to fix this year. They kind of got a godsend in grad transfer Peyton Ramsey from Indiana, who is a capable starter, as I'm sure you're aware from last year. Uh, he played a very good game at Nebraska last year. And again, Clayton Thorson never really blew the doors off of any opponent, at least in Mick McCall's offense. Peyton Ramsey does not need to be Justin Fields. He does not need to be Tanner Morgan. All he needs to be is a very competent Peyton Ramsey that in a new system with a new offensive coordinator that does seem to be geared more towards the run, but a little maybe less predictable than that of Mick McCall and the quasi spread. Um, I think there's a lot of hope that Northwestern can 
kind of get back from what I think a lot of people, at least around the program, saw as an aberration. I mean, you you go three and nine last year, but I think Northwestern won thirty six games over the prior four years, and I mean, it, a lot of people would I think tell you, you know, optimistically that last year was a fluke. Okay, well let's let's go back to the offensive coordinator, Mike Bajakian. Our description north, normally with Northwestern when the games come up is that they're, you guys usually drag us into what we call a rock fight. So how is Mike Bajakian going to be different than your previous offensive coordinator? What are we going to, are we still going to see rock fighting with the Northwestern's offense or what's going to happen? So I think as long as Pat Fitzgerald is coach, there's going to be a rock fight atmosphere to it. That's just the kind of mentality of the coach that he is and the way he wants to play football. But I do think, you know, there is this sense that, especially with, you know, with both wins and losses last, uh, you know, over the last number of years, I'd say, especially since 2015, when Northwestern has been a good team, but the defense has definitely been better than the offense consistently. It was, why did it have to be this hard? Well, you know, even when they win, like, it it didn't have to be this hard. Um, And I, you know, I think, you know, you look at, at that offense and it was, you know, run twice up the middle on first down and then call a swing pass to the outside on third down or a, you know, to the far side of the field. And it was just so predictable. You know, you run a speed option and on fourth and goal against Michigan state last year, that gets absolutely blown up. And, you know, they, they just, they had absolutely no ability to go for explosive plays last year. And what I found interesting at least is comparing 2018, which is very successful season win loss record, you know, winning the big 10 West, winning a bowl game comparing to 2019 is the offenses really weren't that different in that in 2018, there were, they had so many three and outs, but when they didn't go three and out, they were always going the length of the field and putting together scoring drives, just enough scoring drives to where they would, you know, be able to outscore the opponent. So I think this year, it's a lot of a wait and see thing. You know, I think there's an emphasis. Uh, one of our staffers did a, um, a film review of some of the games Mike Bajakin called when he was at Tennessee, uh, when he was working as the offensive coordinator there at Tennessee. And, you know, it seems like he likes to use a lot of window dressing for, you know, same, same formation, same, same looking play that end up that, that ends up a different route. And I think he tries to, I don't think he's going to, again, blow you off the pay, you know, take, knock the doors off of you with the creativity at the beginning. I think what, what our, what our staffer found was there's, there's a lot of, it's very methodical throughout the game. You might, you know, show you a look earlier on that might be pretty benign, maybe first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, he shows you a similar look and you're like, Oh, I know what's coming. And no, it turns out to be a 30 yard pass play that, works out because he caught you off your toes. Um, but I think, you know, Pat Fitzgerald alluded to it. I think it was either last week or this week earlier in media availability. It's going to be a learning process with how Mike Bajakian calls a game and how Fitz calls a game. Cause again, Fitz said work with Mick McCall for 12 years and he knew all his tendencies for good and for bad. And, you know, this is going to be a little bit of a learning curve, but I think the hope from Northwestern fans is things just become a little bit less painful watching an offense. <laughs> okay. Well, the, the slow learning curve part, I mean, Northwestern has had, you know, the past few years, at least a, a slow start. I mean, are you worried about that with, 
we have no non-conference games and we have, you know, only eight conference games. So at least for a regular season. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because that's always, always a topic of discussion in a normal season. And for some reason it just has gone away in this crazy uh, 2020 season, non preseason, whatever we want to call this. Um, I think it is a little bit of a concern just because, well, it, it, yes, it is a concern. It has to be a concern based on what we've seen the last few years. I think a lot of it is also, um, you know, Northwestern has struggled in early season non-con games, and then they've found a way to kind of kick it into gear in these rock fights in the Big Ten. They don't have to worry about dealing, as funny as it sounds, with an Akron. Or, you know, we were like, oh, no, what's going to happen with UNLV last year? And, you know, they don't really have to worry about that. I think I think to a lot of Northwestern fans, there is this weird sigh of relief that, oh, we only have to play Big Ten games. As weird as that <laughs> sounds, um, but that does exist. Um, but I just think this this year is so weird in that, you know, even if Northwestern hasn't started great the last few years, everyone is dealing with something very different this offseason. And everyone's going to be a little let, less ready than normal. But I think where Northwestern maybe has a bit of an advantage is they have a lot of returning production, both on offense and on defense, even with those opt-outs that were announced last week. So there's a lot of confidence that between that experience and the fact that, you know, installing a new offense is tough during a pandemic when you can't be there, but they had a lot of time to study film when nothing was going on. And it seems like, you know, if there is a time to really hunker down and, learn whatever you're going to try to do without actually taking it on the field just yet. They had a lot of time to, to look at what Mike Pajaki wanted to do and really get comfortable with it. Okay. You mentioned, you mentioned quarterbacks earlier. Let's, let's start on the offense. You guys got Peyton Ramsey transferred from the Indiana. So he's a grad transfer. You still have Hunter Johnson, the five-star from Clemson, right? Uh, what's going to happen you think with the quarterback position? So, I mean, depth chart came out on Monday. Ramsey is undisputed QB1, which was for Northwestern uh, fans. This is now nice to see for the first time in three years, there is no or at starting quarterback for uh, at least week one because, you know, there was the battle last year. And then when Clayton Thorson was coming back from his torn ACL in 2018, it was unsure whether he or TJ Green would be the starter at the beginning of the season. Um so, yeah, I mean, basically what we heard all offseason, as much as they didn't want to commit to Ramsey because competitive advantage, no one wants to announce a starter, you know, when they don't have to. Um, he was the guy. It was just kind of assumed he was at more media availabilities. They spoke highly of him. He just – there's a level of skill and experience that he has that none of the other quarterbacks do. I think one of the, the, the nice surprises on the Northwestern roster is Andrew Marty, who – I don't know, the fourth stringer last year has now worked himself in the conversation for QB two with Hunter Johnson. And, you know, he had a great Andrew Marty had a great start against Illinois in the hat game last year when he and the offense, they really throw the ball that much, but they ran over Illinois for over 300 yards at a time where Illinois, maybe people thought that would be the time when they beat Northwestern for the first time in five tries for the land of Lincoln trophy. So I think, you know, you look at the quarterback, Peyton Ramsey again, he does not need to be a Ferrari. He can he can be normal, and that will be good for the way Northwestern plays. So, you know, he just the, the confidence that I think a lot of fans have with a known commodity after last year, where quite literally everything was unknown and people would just beg for Clayton Forson to come back. 
I think you're going to see a quarterback that if you're, if you're comparing him to Clayton Thorson, the stats are a little better than that. And he's also playing in what should be a more friendly offense. Plus he's familiar with his opponents to a certain extent. So Hunter, is Hunter Johnson is still there? Is there been any word? I mean, a five-star quarterback is not, you know, they don't grow on trees. So what's going on with that guy? They don't grow on trees. And, you know, it's after last year when everything just went south, he really just, I think, has fallen off the map in in terms of, you know, the way people cover the program and when fans think of the program. Um, right now it's just – He's kind of there. He's, he's still listed at quarterback too. Again, in this crazy season, you don't know who you're going to need and when you're going to need them. So, you know, especially at a position like quarterback and it seemed like every time last year that they would announce that Hunter Johnson was starting, it's like, okay, well maybe, maybe this will be the game in which like he looks good. And, you know, he looks like he'll have acclimated and it, it just never happened. So again, there are questions for next year, I would say as, as weird as it sounds to write him off all the way until next year, but you know, I don't know exactly what the deal is with Northwestern going to be extending eligibility to, you know, everyone for next year if Ramsey would stay. I, I couldn't, couldn't tell you about that, but for Hunter Johnson, I think you're looking right now at something more towards next year and competing with Andrew Marty for, for a starting job and kind of, I don't know, it would be a, quite a, a comeback story of sorts after a really tough first year. So running backs, your office last year, we discussed that it was a mess, but who's going to be at the running back position that Nebraska needs to worry about? Sure. So I think um, Isaiah Bowser had a breakout campaign midway through freshman year rushed for like, I think almost 900 yards in eight games. Um, and he was presumed running back one coming into last year and then got injured at Stanford as well. And just never really regained full health last year was nicked up here and there could never get going. Um, and I think there's a lot of excitement that he's back this year. He is a big bruising back. Uh, I think like six, one, two I don't know why I think that, but I'm pretty sure it's right. Um, and he will, he is a bowling ball. He is an old school downhill running back. Um, and I think Mike Bajakian likes a power game. The sense I get is, you know, he is the clear cut starter on the depth chart, but I do think we will see some Drake Anderson, some Evan Hull. Um, they provide a bit of a change of pace. Drake Anderson has the wiggle and some, you know, he was listed as a Doak Walker award watch list. Um, I guess candidate. I don't think the production has warranted that the last couple of years, but he does provide that change of pace. Um, I think, the coaching staff is just looking for that consistency from him. And, uh, you know, Evan Hull had a breakout game last couple of games at the end of last year. And, you know, everyone's going to get a shot to play this year. So I think Bowser is RB1 and he, I think people are looking for him to get back to his freshman form because they would really take that. And uh, yeah, the emphasis is going to be on the running game. I think the, okay. The emphasis is going to be running. I think I read a preview article by you uh, or by your site, which basically said, who are the receivers? We don't really know. So who are the receivers? Do you know anymore now that we're on the cusp of starting the season? Sure. So we, we do have more of an idea. I'm just going to pull up the depth chart here. Um, we do have more an idea of who is going to be on the outside for Northwestern and two, two of the, 
of the players aren't too surprising in Riley Lees and Ramon Chokio Bowman. Those two are seniors. Um, here we go. So it's, it's Lees, Chokio Bowman, and Kyrick McGowan. All three are seniors. And Riley Lees led the team last year in receiving, had a really solid year amidst, you know, a really poor offense. Um, I think people would hope he'd become a Flynn Nagel type in his senior year. He's got more of a slot receiver, only six foot, 200 pounds. Um, but he's certainly a, a, he was a safety blanket last year for, for struggling quarterbacks. Ramad um, Chagia Bowman, he has, you know, he's been up and down. He's got size. He's six, two. He's one of the bigger receivers in the Northwestern room and Northwestern receivers are not that big um, in general. So he's got a lot of athleticism, but he hasn't been able to put together the, the, you know, the consistency and the production for the third through the first three years. And then Kyrick McGowan is a really, really interesting player because he is dynamic, has caught some really long touchdown passes. Um, and last year when the passing game was just really sputtering, coaches had to figure out a way to get him the ball. So they converted him into a running back at times. And he, he scored on a 77 yard run against Purdue. He is freakishly athletic, very fast, dynamic playmaker. Every coach, whether it was McCall previously or now, but acknowledges he has to be a focal part of the offense. Now, I think this year will be very interesting for Northwestern fans into, I guess, evaluating position coach Dennis Springer. Um, you know, Northwestern receivers has struggled to get separation the last few years. And I think there's, you know, fans want to pin it on two things, scheme, where it was very predictable as to what Northwestern, you know, what routes they would be running. And also their coaching, like, is there just a reason they can't get separation? It would be really frustrating. And that's what led to, again, those lack of explosive plays last year. How much was that an aberration? So again, you look at, at this year, is a scheme going to help free him up? And if they still can't get um, separation, is that a coaching issue at the position level? Because I really do believe there is a lot of athleticism and talent in this room. And so when you look at the second team, Malik Washington, 5'9", not a big guy, but a sophomore. Coaches have raved about him. They raved about him last year and a little bit. Didn't really see much playing time. Mike Bajakian went out of his way last week to say, He's been playing like a veteran and he's only a sophomore. And even though he's not listed as a starter, I would expect to see a lot of Malik Washington, especially out of the slot. Um, and then you look at, you know, Wayne Dennis, redshirt freshman, have not heard much of him before, but he's 6'3 and 200 pounds, a larger body. And then Jensen Hooper Price, who was one of the two heralded um, wide receiving recruits coming in last year, didn't really see much time, but he is 6'5 um, out of Houston, really, really athletic. Again, big body. There are high hopes for him. So again, you're seeing this kind of coming of age on the second team depth chart of, you know, these young guys who are ready to take over. Okay. So basically you've said something that I've, I found interesting, which is people are putting demands on the coaches, which, you know, from the rest of us, we kind of look at Northwestern and we go, do they even care about football? Which leads me to this question before we get to the defense. What has been Northwestern's attitude toward playing during this pandemic? And when I say that, I don't necessarily mean the football team, but as a university overall, and then maybe the football team. Sure. So I guess you should clarify something. I'm maybe I'm putting a little more pressure and speaking for fans on <laughs> wanting to see the receiver, you know, wanting to see more separation. I think, you know, it's a common complaint among fans, but 
they're not going to act on it. It's more just like, oh, why can't the receiver get separation? As for the way Northwestern has treated this, it's interesting because, you know, our Northwestern president Morton Shapiro is the chair of the Big Ten presidents and chancellors council. And obviously he led a lot of discussions. He wasn't, you know, he, he doesn't have two votes. He has one vote, um, but he voted, he said he voted um, no originally. And as with what was the eight other presidents, I think it was nine or no, hold on. It was 11, 11 to three, I think. So with 10 other presidents, he voted, he voted no originally. And then he voted yes on the restart. So clearly, you know, he, and he, he has said that, you know, there were times that he wasn't convinced until the very end, the very end that this was going to be doable and that he wanted to go forward with it. I mean, you think about it from a perspective here, I'm a junior, I live off campus, so I was kind of going to come back anyways. I have a lease, but freshmen and sophomores are not allowed on campus right now. And even for us juniors and seniors, hardly anything is on campus. It's right now a lakefront park and a testing clinic for as far as we're concerned. I think maybe 5% of classes, if that, have an in-person component. Everything else is generally remote. So when you look at it from that standpoint, it's easy to criticize it. It's like, well, you want to play football but you can't even have half of your student body on campus. And there are very few classes you can go to. And I think that's valid. Um, but I also do understand that, you know, it's, this isn't simply a Northwestern decision and there's a lot of other things involved in it. Um, and, and you look at, again, the players wanted to play. Pat Fitzgerald wants to play. Jim Phillips, the athletic director is a very highly regarded name out there in both the big 10 and in college athletics. He was part of the television subcommittee and, you know, Northwestern had several members on all of these subcommittees that were created after the postponement announcement in August. So was Northwestern jumping, you know, Northwestern was not in Nebraska, not in Ohio State early on, but they were never, you know, there were reports like, oh, well, you know, they need X number of votes and, oh, Northwestern's not going to vote. Yes. Like, no, I don't think that was ever the case with Northwestern. You had way too much work going on by Northwestern employees and, and there was no reason that Northwestern was going to say no if others were going to say yes. Well, you, there's the nerd moniker. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> there is the nerd moniker, but you know, it, I think that's easy to rely on, but I, I don't think that, you know, I think that was an easy cop out for people trying to write articles and in, in ways of, Oh, I, who will opt out? Is it Michigan and its immunologist president or Northwestern? And I, someone called uh, Morton Shapiro a doctor. He's an economist. So I think people were just eager to assign titles to Northwestern uh, for reasons they might not play. Well, you had Rutgers too, but we won't go there. We'll leave Rutgers. They don't there. exist. <laughs> okay. To the, to the defense, uh, you have a veteran defense, mostly but you've lost two defensive starters recently because they opted out of the season. Uh, you have Patty Fisher still playing, right? He is yep. your star yep. linebacker. Yep. Tell me about the defense. Are they going to yeah. be good? They were defense, very good last year. Defense should be good. And I think last year, again, was fine. 26th in, in total defense, I believe. And could not force a turnover every, you know, after the offense just could not do anything Last year, Fitz, it kind of after postgame pressers, would keep talking about the defense not being able to force turnovers. And everyone knew that blame was a little bit misplaced, but it was true that they really couldn't make any impact plays. So 
you look at it and that's very different from 2018 when that's all they did was make impact plays and figure out ways to win games when it seems like they shouldn't. Um, so when you look at, you know, starting the D line again, there's, there's more youth than there was because Joe Gaziano is now gone. That's a loss, but Ernest Brown is a, a really athletic guy who people have a lot of hope for and was injured a lot of last season. And he's, I think there are high expectations for him and in the, in the middle there is a lot of continuity from last year. You have, you have Trevor Kent in there. Um, for, hold on, let me pull up that chart. I'm forgetting exactly who's next to him. Uh, and, and Jason Gold, who, who played, um, who was kind of thrust into roles last year after injuries. But again, a lot of these guys have gotten playing time last year because of injury and just because Northwestern threw in some guys last year when the games weren't all competitive to get them some time. And I think at least along the D-line, you add – um, added to me, Adebaware, who is now going to uh, fill in for Sam Duke Miller on the on the edge. These are guys who have talent, and Northwestern churns out D line talent. It's generally even when Joe Gaziano leaves, even when you know people left years before. Marty Long, the defensive line coach, just manages to figure it out. No, they haven't generated a ton of quarterback pressure in the last couple of years, but I think. Adam Aware and Brown are uniquely suited to pressure the quarterback more. They, I think they're just more athletic and more explosive players, um, but they're always solid against the run. And, and I don't expect that to change. So I think the loss of Miller is while it hurts to me, you know, I think they're going to be okay. Linebackers. It's a core that's been together for at least three years. They're all seniors. It was a little bit of a down year last year. Some missed tackles, Patty Fisher, didn't have a great year. His draft stock needs to go up. Um, so you look at that and there's just that that's a no excuse kind of kind of unit in, in that they've got to be good this year. They really should be good this year. And Fitz knows that. And, and I think there is a sense after after last year. Sorry about that. Um, that they're going to have a really, really solid year. That is undoubtedly the strongest unit on the team. No one will question that. In the secondary, originally, you know, come last Thursday, everyone was like, you have J.R. Pace and Travis Willock, two senior safeties who are going to start. Greg Newsome, a lockdown corner, and then the other corner is a bit of a question mark. Fast forward to Wednesday, just over a week. There is no more uh, Travis Willock. He has opted out of the season. There are rumors Greg Newsome has an injury. You are left with J.R. Pace. Okay, that's J.R. Pace is good, um, but I think there's a little – there's a little less confidence just because of simply the inexperience. And that is something that the last couple of years Northwestern has struggled with is inexperience in the secondary, even though, you know, they're a bend don't break kind of team. They've always played that way. And I don't expect that to change. Um, the past defense wasn't terrible last year, but it was a liability at times. And so, especially you know, a Cam Ruiz last year, who I think many expect would have earned the second starting spot and definitely could he struggled a little bit last year. It was an improvement from 2018, but there's going to need to be another step in 2020 if he's going to be a consistent starting corner. Rod Hurd is a redshirt freshman. I think there's a little bit of buzz about him, but again, unproven. And where is he going to fit in? And, and I think at the safety position, a lot of people figure junior Bryce Jackson would slot in for Willock. That's not the case, at least not yet. Um, he's, a sec- he's listed as a second teamer and redshirt freshman Brandon Joseph has earned the the starting spot on the depth chart. So I think, again, Northwestern has been operating, at least with the Willock opt-out, since before camp. So that's been a couple of months. Clearly, they've really liked what they've seen out of Joseph, and Jackson has been fine. 
I just think, you know, there's a lot of youth in the secondary and we don't know much yet, you know, at the moment. It's, it's, a, it's, it's like the Big Ten West, but of quarterbacks, you know, after Iowa in that it's just it could be really competitive and it could be really exciting. And, and you just don't know exactly who's establishing themselves over one another. OK, so to sum up so far, we have an offense that has potential. And we have a defense that should be good, which means you're not going to blow people out, which means you're going to rely on close games, which leads us to special teams. <laughs> How are your special teams? Do you have a kicker who can make a 45-yard field goal? Well, I, you know, the special teams haven't really changed. I think for, for Northwestern, the most important special teamer is always the punter. Um, and, and it seems like Northwestern has gone to the uh, really been a grad transfer powerhouse. The last three years was Jake Collins in 2018. It was um, Daniel Kubiak last year and Andrew da- Daniel Kubiak was like a six year senior. Andrew David transferred from TCU. Nah, both was, you know, they were fine. And then this year they landed Derek Adams. Um, oh, I forget which from which Mac school he was from. Maybe Kent State, but I could be wrong. Um but it was a very good Mac punter. And I think, again, with, with an offense, like we'll see how good, how just good it is. They need a solid punter. And I think they've got one when it comes to the, the place kicking game, Charlie Kubander is the kicker. Once again, um, he is, this is what his fourth year in the job. I'm, you know, he's, he is uh, he's a senior and he's been fine. I think there's the, the consistency hasn't always been there. He doesn't have the biggest leg. He missed a 30 some odd yarder at Stanford last year. Um, in what ended up being a really critical miss. He did the same against Nebraska and what could have been, I think a game tying or go ahead field goal last year from about the same distance, mid thirties. He missed one against Purdue late in the game that would have basically iced it. And then Purdue came down and won on a game winning field goal with five seconds left. That's three games right there that came down to, you know, that really could have been different for, for more consistent, reliable kicking game. And Pat Fitzgerald, I think, never really has a ton of confidence in his kicking game because he's apt to go for things on fourth down in the middle of nowhere. So I don't think, you know, Kubander is a highly rated kicker out of high school. I just don't think there's been a ton of consistency. He's also been battling injuries throughout his career. I don't look at it as any different from a couple of years before I just, but I'm not especially, I don't think fans are enamored with it. So one one of the other things I like to do is get an outsider's perspective on Nebraska. Have you, have you looked at Nebraska this season at all? In in the, I mean, I, I've, I follow basically everyone in the big 10. I, you know, I've kind of looked at their schedule a bit. Um, As for the roster, I, I kind of know what's there, Um, but yeah, go ahead. So what do you think? How do you, everybody's like, uh, put it this way. When we did this SB nation, big 10 questionnaire, right? I filled mine out and pointed out that I am not a rational person, but I noticed that most of the guys who filled out their, their questionnaires predicted winning seasons and not everybody is going to have a winning season. So when you look at Nebraska, where do you think they're going to be in the big 10 West and how good do you think, that Scott Frost team will be this season. Sure. So I think, you know, as 
I think for Northwestern fans, they look at, you know, everything that's happened with Nebraska this offseason and they're just so confused because Northwestern fans have a different mindset. And they're like, you know, as a lot of people nationally, you know, don't understand exactly the Nebraska mindset. Um, But I think, you know, Nebraska Northwestern have gone back and forth the last few years. Rarely is there a boring game. And I I would expect the same this year. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm interested to see what we get from Nebraska just because of all the off season talk, but on the field, I mean, you, you, you tell me Adrian Martinez is back after, you know, he battled some injuries last year. I remember in the Northwestern game, Noah Vigil came in and led them on a game winning drive because of course, 2020 Northwestern. Um, uh, but, but Martinez didn't have a great season last year. And, and I think a lot of people correct me if I'm wrong, would attribute that to a shaky offensive line. Um, and, and I don't, has that changed this year? Um, I mean, JD Spielman transferred, right? TCU, Texas tech, TCU, um, TCU. TCU. Um, but you've got Wando Robinson and he was a game breaker last year. And I expect will be the same this year. So, you know, I don't know exactly how that, you know, will the offense be better? I don't think people really looked at the offense as the Achilles heel, but I don't think it was consistent enough on defense. Hasn't been a great defense the last couple of years. And you know, the, the Davis twin Davis brothers are now gone from the defensive line. So can it get better? You know, that, that from last year, or the year before that's I'm, I'm kind of on paper when I look at Nebraska's defense, when I've you know taken a look, I just, I don't see reasons for improvement there. Whereas I think on offense, things, things could be a little more exciting. And I know, I mean, I know the kicking game for Northwestern. I've talked about it last year for Nebraska. That was an absolute, you know, carousel. I remember, I, I remember going into last year's game in early October, Nebraska, Northwestern. I listed one of the reasons Northwestern might win as the kicking game. And it so nearly did. Uh, I, I forget how many kickers the, the Huskers cycled through, but um I mean, I expect this is what now year three of the Scott Frost era that he has things a little bit more down, especially offensively, which is his his skill set. Um, but you you tell me about that offensive line because I think that's a real real important piece. Well, Cam Jurgen started out the season last year as our starting center, and he had never played center before, ever, and he missed part of camp at the beginning of last season because he had a foot injury. So when he went into his first game, I mean, he looked like a guy that never played center. The snaps were all over the place, but he got better as the season went on. And people that I talk to that are much better evaluators of talent than I am uh, say that he is going to be an all big 10 center at some point. So I'll go with their opinion because I'm always looking for other people's opinions on things. But uh, I think the depth is much better. They have, well, they have, you know, if guys aren't working out that are starters, they have other guys they can put in those positions and see how they do. But I do think the offensive line is probably where Frost expects it to be. And if there's one thing I think Scott Frost did when he came into the Big Ten is he completely underestimated the line play that he would need to have to be successful in the conference. So down at UCF, I mean, they don't have they don't have a 400-pound starting left tackle anywhere. Most people don't. Minnesota does. I don't know why. Boy, it's like unfair. Maybe he should have a stripe on his helmet or something. But uh, I think he completely underestimated that. So they're, they're taking steps to correct that. Uh, defensive line, you know, like you said, the, the Davis twins are gone. 
actually all three of our starters on defense went to the NFL, which kind of made you go, why were we so bad at the run defense <laughs> when all three guys went to the NFL? Well, because our linebackers weren't very good. Uh, but there, yeah, I, I think our defense is kind of like, um, are they going to improve? The secondary should be very good, but that doesn't stop people from running the ball for five <laughs> yards a carry. Uh, I don't know. You know, it's like everybody else. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, mean, especially, I, don't know. I feel like what we've seen, at least through other conferences in the first few weeks is defense is optional. So, you know, what, what's that going to mean? You know, every time the NSCC defense gives up, 49 points it's oh look how good the offense is you know as opposed to oh they're struggling on defense so what what's the big 10 going to look like and how are people going to react to that uh well you know i'm okay with scoring 40 points a game i am you know it's 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 fun i think people uh, we'll put it this way what would you rather have 45 to 42 or 16 punts and 10 to 7 you're talking to a northwestern writer here <laughs> Pat Fitzgerald is the head coach. <laughs> You're just in it for the wins. True. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm still, you know, it's got to be fun and interesting. Okay, fine. If we win, I'm okay with 10 to 7. Which <laughs> prediction for Northwestern season? What do you have? Yeah, so you mentioned early, you know, the, the Big Ten uh, team sites kind of predictions that we filled out before that most people seem to be optimistic and have winning seasons, but not everyone can have a winning season. Um, I mean, I think from what I spelled out again, there's, there's a lot of hope with some young talent. Um, but there was a lot of, again, veteran experience returning for Northwestern. And I go back to the defense, should be the defense, the offense only needs to be just, you know, not even average Northwestern has won nine or 10 games when they've had an offense rated in like the nineties nationally. And I think it should even be better than that. Um, I'm going to go five and three, and that's probably the upper limit of, of what I think, um, you know, some, some real optimistic fans say six and two, cause why not? I think five and three, you know, between four and four and five and three, the big 10 West is so unpredictable, but you look at what Northwestern was able to, they were able to compete and be in some really close games last year when they were not a good team. And, you know, when they've been solid, They've had plenty of Big Ten success, and you have crossover games with Maryland and Michigan State. Penn State is off the schedule now. It doesn't get much better than that unless you wanted to take Rutgers. So those should really, you know, those can be two wins. Northwestern typically beats Illinois. I don't see why that changes this year. And then they should be able to find two other wins, at least in the Big Ten West. If not, they drop one of those and they beat one of Iowa, Wisconsin, or Minnesota. You just don't know. So I think five games is doable for Northwestern five and three and whoever they draw in champions week. <laughs> oh, good, good shot. Okay. Everyone makes fun of Northwestern for like, for example, when you play in Evanston, Nebraska fans take over the stadium. Mm -hmm. There will be no fans probably this season. So comments on the no fans. Does it give you a home field advantage, advantage to actually have a season where there's no fans? I mean, I'd say yes and no. Uh, from what we've heard, there will be roughly a thousand player, parent, and families in attendance. Um, just, just for reference, not, not calling that a crowd or anything. Um, I mean, you've heard the NFL, you know, Northwestern alumni in the NFL saying how they're prepared because Ryan Field was often dead and not filled. Um, 
I mean, I don't think it changes a ton of things this year because Northwestern has had plenty of success on the road when they're playing in front of 90,000 screaming fans. So I think maybe it'll be less a difference for Northwestern and more a difference for other teams. And that may be, you know, as a season as a whole, as opposed to just Ryan Field. Um, and so I think kind of that almost maybe normality to it for the, for the Wildcats might give them a slight leg up. Um, but, you know, the players have kind of created this moniker. It's BYOJ, bring your own juice this year. Um, that's kind of been, I think that'll be used a lot going forward. Um, but I, I don't think it changes a ton. Is it going to be weird? Yes. Um, it's always, you know, a Northwestern joke to talk about an empty Ryan field or one overrun by visiting fans, but they don't have to worry about that next year. You're right. Um, but does it really change things and give them maybe, maybe a little bit more comfort? I don't think so. Okay. I have to ask this and, and I'm glad that you are an actual Northwestern student. So you can explain it from that perspective in you the the moniker in you it's it's ours why don't you guys just stop using it surrender it it's it's obvious it's been nebraska's for my entire life and i am very much older than you are give it up buddy your reaction to that we know it's interesting because i i'll make uh, both the northwestern point and the nebraska point here i before coming to northwestern never understood the nu because I was like, NW, that makes sense, right? Like, but but everything here, it makes, you know, now that you're here, everything is NU, it just, it makes more sense. Do I love it? No, but it makes more sense to me than it used to. Um, it's certainly better than N Warren, which we've seen a lot, or N Western. Um, I, I think those fans hate. But, I mean, one, Northwestern was a founding member of the Big Ten, and two, isn't it, and correct me if I'm wrong, the University of Nebraska at Lincoln, UNL? I, I don't, that's as much as I know, which would lead me to believe that there is one NU. How did it become NU? Is it, it like, do people call it Nebraska University? No, but there is a, I believe there's the song, uh, Dear Old Nebraska U. So, you know, it, it's a, again, one of those traditions that goes back to 1635 when, we invaded England and drove out the Anglo-Saxons or whoever the hell was there in 1635. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, it clearly it predates whatever Northwestern has ever done. And you should give it up. Although it is, you know, every year it is the battle for NU. Uh, I will point out one more thing before we go. And my kids love it when I say one more thing. Did you know that Nebraska's debate and speech team has won the Big Ten? title every year that we've been in the big 10 you know i did not but but a, a journal old journalism professor of my not old journalism professor a couple of years ago a professor of mine is originally from nebraska and he is a huge you know both a nebraska and a northwestern fan especially because you know the two weren't in the big 10 for the longest time together um but you know it's funny he's always he always talks about you know who is the real nu and that's that's something he would know about the speech and debate team he knows everything nebraska so you're not getting give us any credit for being nerdy ourselves? We'll give you a point. <laughs> Maybe add one to whatever spread comes out to be, you know, before week three. <laughs> okay. Is there anything else you want to tell us about Northwestern's football team? Or since you're majoring in journalism, 
at some school. What, what do they call that? Medill. Medill, where everybody comes from. And <laughs> then it's bias all over the media for Northwestern and against Nebraska. We all know that happens. Is there anything you want to add to the conversation here that I haven't mentioned? Yeah, I think we, we covered a lot of it, um, you know, from especially from a Northwestern point of view, as opposed to, oh, look, they went three and nine last year, which is really easy for a lot of fans to say. I think for a lot of very casual fans, they're like three and nine for casual Northwestern fans. They say, oh, three and nine, we stunk and haven't paid attention to 36 wins over the prior four years. So, again, I think, you know, I'm working on a, a story that a big story to drop tomorrow about uh, Pat Fitzgerald approaching a hundred, a hundred wins. He is at 99 wins right now. Um, and, you know, he's built, he's really expectations among more modern fans have changed because Fitzgerald has created those expectations for himself. Whereas, you know, those didn't exist before you had two, two seasons, including a Rose bowl appearance and a citrus bowl appearance. That was the best two year stretch Northwestern had ever had. Um, and that was 25 years ago. Now this is the 25th anniversary of the big 10 championship team that went to the Rose bowl. So that is again, something there. It's kind of a confluence of seasons Fitz trying to earn his hundredth win um, 25th anniversary of the Rose bowl. And I think that's, that's about, we cover the rest of it. Well, then we're going to end there and uh, the outro. This has been John's post-life crisis. Thank you for listening, and we thank Eli Carp of Inside NU, a weird name that shouldn't exist, for joining us. And go Big Red. Thank you, Eli, and good luck with your season, but not entirely. <laughs>